emotions are indicators. They indicate to us something needs to be paid attention to. So if we can be mindful and we can kind of tune in without having to be scared of our emotions, it can actually be really useful information to us about what's the next step that I need to do here. Hi guys. This podcast explores the importance of our connection, well-being, and mental health. To reason with someone is to motivate them to do or accept topics, ideas, and issues through discussion and having conversations. This podcast is for those that want to raise their awareness, change their perspective, or just have a good time. My vision is to help people find reason to live, to grow, and to understand. I do that through this podcast, as well as counseling individuals that want to help themselves. No, no, no. No, he needs to know. I just think he's gonna talk and it's gonna make a lot of sense. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. One man. One podcast. Three, two, one. Reason With Me podcast, episode 13. It's time! Welcome back, guys. Reason With Me podcast. So today, we're going to be talking about self-compassion. Now, I think this is such an important conversation to be having because, especially in times like this, it's so important to be compassionate with ourselves and and understanding what that means and what that looks like. So I'm talking to someone that I am really inspired by, the way that she talks about connection and the way that she holds space for people, I think is, is really beautiful and I hope you enjoy listening to her. Natasha Wagner is a clinical psychotherapist in Ashgrove, Brisbane. She works with individuals, couples, and groups. Natasha believes that the relationship we have with ourselves and others is the essential ingredient to our emotional health, happiness, and well-being. Her focus is on helping people develop self-awareness and understanding of our challenges so that we can create change that leads to more fulfilling and a meaningful life. Natasha has been featured as an expert both locally and internationally and has contributed to a number of print and online media outlets, including Women's Health and Fitness Magazine, Cosmopolitan Magazine, and ABC Online. Super pumped for this one. I hope you enjoy. Tash, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I am so pleased to have you. We'll get straight into it, um, sort of my style. We'll just jump straight in. But why don't you tell me and people listening, who the hell are you and what do you do? Sure. Who the hell am I? Um, so I'm a clinical psychotherapist and I run my own private practice. I'm based in Brisbane, Australia, uh, for people who are in Australia, you know where that is, uh, mm-hmm. or if you have any international listeners, I am um, in Aussie land. <laughs> um, and I guess, you know, I work with everyone from individuals, I work with couples, and I also work uh, running process style orientated groups, which is kind of how we met through some training, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, I'm also a facilitator for the Blue Knot Foundation, which is the National Centre for Excellence in Trauma as well. So mm. that's a little about me and the work that I do. Awesome. That's so good. I didn't know that last part. I really want to get on um, the Blue Knot um, register to be a provider for them. I think that'd be awesome. That's super cool. Um, yeah, we met through through the groups, um, group training and doing process group sort of work. And yeah, I, I think that's what probably got me so 
interested and intrigued with some of the work that you do. Um, you've been running group process for uh, for quite a quite a while. Um, do you want to? I mean, I'm very interested. Always very interested to know about your your groups. But did you want to tell us a little bit about what how that works and how that runs? Yeah, sure. So, I guess in terms of the group. Um, there's lots of different reasons why people come to group and particularly the process orientated groups that I run is really around people getting to explore not only who they are in a group situation, but I guess also how they interact with other people in a group situation. So we've all got what I say is our different kind of growing edges in relationship, which might be, you know, I want to work on how to handle conflict because I actually find conflict a little bit challenging or it might be I really want to learn to kind of speak up and share my opinion. I get a bit shy or a little bit nervous or based on my experiences, you know, I have other challenges in groups where maybe I just sit back or maybe I'm really forward and I really want to know myself better and also have the ability to explore those dynamics in a really safe and supportive way. So um, I run a small group, usually about nine people at max. Um, and every six months I open up the space for new members. It's called the connection circle mm. and we all get together fortnightly and really explore, I guess, what it's like to be in the room together and process orientated group is working with the process kind of in the present moment and exploring what's going on for people. So it's a really intimate um, setting and there's lots of courage in kind of exploring who you are in relation to other people and the dynamics that come up because when you get into a group, you will also begin to experience those dynamics that you do in your family, in your work situation, in your intimate relationships. And instead of it kind of just being something that you brush under the rug or you don't address, you get to explore it in real time with people in the room. So lots of exciting and juicy stuff comes up in groups and it's really fun and exciting. The way you talk about it, uh, the way you explain it, I'm like, want to like jump into my computer <laughs> like it just so sounds so um engaging and sounds so intriguing I, I guess that's my perspective though and I guess a lot of people don't have that perspective and and, and I get a bit more afraid of of stepping into group instead of individual counseling what why what do you how, how do you get people around it I guess or, or what what turns people into the you know availability for entering into group instead of individual well, I think sometimes in a way group can feel even a little bit safer, you know, in one-on-one therapy, you're sitting with a therapist, you're in the room together, but in group, you've got witnesses. And when I say witnesses, I don't mean, you know, to witness any bad stuff going on, but you have people there to kind of see what's going on and validate your experience as well. And sometimes in groups as well, because you're not the only one in a group, you can actually sit back and kind of reflect a little, Um, you know, in the groups that I run, there's not you don't have to be all in and participate. There's going to be times where you you kind of want to sit back and particularly in the beginning stages of a group, it's all about building safety and trust. So I'm kind of there. I'm really interactive, particularly in the beginning stages of group as we kind of lay the groundwork, set the foundation. Um, But eventually over time, what you're doing with people in the group is that you're really sharing authentically with them. And that's one of the fastest ways to build connection, right? So taking little risks around vulnerability, around 
how you feel about the things you want to share actually really builds intimacy and connection quite quickly. So the group actually becomes quite a safe place to be, uh, safe enough to uh, share of yourself, but also still a little bit risky in that people are growing and that they're taking some risks and there's opportunity to grow as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so nicely put. I think that's lovely. Um, I'm so intrigued with group, probably not what I wanted to discuss today, but I think it's always so so (laughs) exciting to talk about group. Um, Where though, like when you're dealing with all this stuff and you're dealing with like, especially in groups, like you're seeing, you know, you've got a therapist who sees like, let's say seven clients a day. But if you're running groups as well, you're, you're really, you're really getting humans in, in, in your space and you're seeing quite a lot of them. So, and a lot of them with some very difficult things that are going on for them that are landing them in your space. So where do you pull your strength to do the work that you do and, and be the clinical psychotherapist that you are today? I love that you asked that question because I think it's so important for practitioners to have really good self-care practices and to walk the talk, right? So I talk about this a lot, that self-care isn't just getting a massage and having a couple of facials. Like there's lots of aspects to self-care, you know, in terms of how do we take care of ourselves physically? How do we do that emotionally, socially, in our relationships, even spiritually, culturally? What are all the things that we do to sustain us and take really good care of us? So I think Uh, One, I draw my strength from having really good self-care practices, Um, supervision. So I have a lot of supervision, um, particularly um, with trauma as well. So I have regular weekly supervision that I intend. Um, And I really love the concept of vicarious resilience, which Mm. is the the positive end of vicarious uh, trauma. And vicarious resilience really talks about being able to see the amazing strength of the human spirit to overcome challenge and adversity, to recognize people's strengths and to also um, celebrate success no matter how small. So when we can get in touch with that, you know, even if we're working with really complex things or big challenges to always celebrate the amazing things and the challenges that clients have overcome because that in turn builds our resilience which Mm. also supports us to be able to do more of this work and kind of motivate us to stay in this work as well and i've got heaps i could say about that but it's probably not yeah i haven't heard heard that one vicarious resilience i love that i think that i'm definitely stealing that from you tash um that's like it's such a nice way of putting it because sometimes when i'm asked a similar question a lot of the time i you know, jump and stumble around an answer that I probably reflects that really well. It's seeing people and having hope for people and allowing them to start to see what incredible changes they're making. That's Mm. yeah, that's great. And obviously I think, I don't know if it's the people that I'm selecting on the podcast, but everyone seems to have really solid self-care. Um, I know a lot of the people I've had on my podcast and I probably connect so well with them because we have such a passion for self-care and looking after ourselves as well. So that's always awesome to hear and pull your strengths from the, the top. What would be actually, no, I'll ask that later. I'll ask that later. Um, yeah, no, that's good. Self-care is, is super, super key. So the thing I want to talk to you today about is, is sort of a mix between, um, you know, some of the clients that you might be seeing, but then also just yourself as a therapist as well. And, and all of us as people in our society, and that is, um, self-compassion. 
and and a topic of self compassion, and I guess I, I, I want to I want you to sort of reason with me and why why is self compassion so important when we we talk about um, connection, uh, mental health, and our overall well being. Hmm. So I guess self compassion for me is one part of the puzzle. Um, when it comes to that connection element, when it comes to really good emotional health and well-being. And it's important, I think, because one, it's kind of an internal resource that if we have it developed, we can draw on. It's always with us. It's something we can use. Mm. So the point I do want to make about self-compassion is that for some people, self-compassion, the best way I've heard it described is that we have train tracks, as in they're a bit dusty. And sometimes we need to dust off the train tracks and find those tracks of self-compassion. And it's relatively easy to bring in self-compassion, which is made up of mindfulness, acknowledging our common humanity that we're not alone, and self-kindness, those three elements together. Mm. However, um, just touching on the point, because I think it's really important, not all of us have a capacity straight away to tune into self-compassion, which is particularly true if we've experienced trauma or complex trauma that happens in relationship. Mm. So if we don't have those train tracks laid down, we actually need to learn about them and to build those foundations, which obviously through therapy is a great way that you can Mm. understand you know your experience build resources and start to implement that but i think why self-compassion is so important is because once we learn it we can draw on it it actually builds resilience psychological resilience so it enables us not only just to face challenges more effectively but to bounce back from them um, which we all need so there's always going to be challenges in life and Self-compassion helps us to kind of ride that emotional wave and be able to deal with those emotions instead of having to, what most of us would probably go to as our first instinct, to push those emotions down or to suppress them or to not deal with them. Self-compassion can help us to actually lean into them and move through them. And it's, it's very, as I said, one piece of the puzzle, but I think it's an important one and it's something we can learn, which is awesome, right? It's not too difficult to actually learn self-compassion. Mm. I think you, you make such an awesome point about, um, you know, when we, I guess we choose not to be self-compassionate, it's almost like we, you know, we refuse to put down those tracks um, and lay down those, those um, train tracks, like you said, and almost sabotage ourselves instead. Um, mm. And I, I guess that does come from a lot of, what you're bringing, what you're bringing to the table, whether that's your past or um, some relationship trauma or previous traumas. Oh, yeah. So, how does that look like um, as a therapist um, growing into the the space and and facing that all the challenges that you've got as a human already, and then I guess the fact that you've got to help people support um, you support people in 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 their challenges as well. So, how does self compassion work for you? Mm-hmm. As in, how would I, how do I apply it? Yeah, how do you apply it? Like, how does it um, sing for you when you, you're doing your day-to-day? I guess, you know, here's the interesting thing about self-compassion. I think for me, it was definitely something I had to develop more of and the pathway was compassion for other people. So, and I think this is true for many people that I talk to, right? It's often easier to be compassionate with other people than it is to be compassionate with yourself. So part of my work as a therapist, I think I learned how to be really compassionate with other people. And 
over time doing this work and doing my own personal work, I learned that if I was able to apply that compassion to myself and use some of that energy with myself, I was a much more effective practitioner because mm. one, again, I was really walking my talk. I was moving into my growth edges of God. How do I be really loving and kind to myself? And I also had better capacity to manage the challenging stuff. So in terms of a practical example of how does it look for me, mm. you know, I used to have, and I still do, you know, I think we all do that inner critic, which instead of, you know, kind of trying to just shut that out, which is what most people try and do, I'm really compassionate with myself. So I might take a moment to kind of tune in and I'll follow the principles. And I like to use a lot of supportive touch in what I do just to get back into the body. Mm. So, you know, I might put a hand on my chest, a hand on my stomach, and I will take that moment of awareness and be like, you know what, this is a really difficult moment. And I had a moment recently, actually, and um, I had to draw on all my resources and I was doing this and I was saying, this is a challenging moment. You are not the only one who's kind of ever felt like this. You will not be the last person and you'll feel like this again. You know, I was drawing on that common humanity. Mm. And I was trying to be really kind to myself, you know, and everyone has different words of what they might say to self-kindness, but I kind of tell myself, you're okay, you've got this, we'll get through this together. And so I will often use that little mini break, like it's called a self-compassion break, where you kind of tune in, get in touch with the body, take a mindful moment, acknowledge you're not alone and speak really kindly to yourself. And I'll be honest, you know, that's not an easy thing to develop if that's not your natural go-to. <laughs> um, but it took quite a bit of time and with practice though it really becomes part of who you are and then the great thing about self-compassion is I think it leads to loving kindness which is then to be able to give lots of loving kindness to others and to yourself which when you put out that energy obviously we're energy conductors you know and receivers you get that in return so it kind of opens you up not only to self-compassion but to loving kindness for other beings and for you Self, which I think is really beautiful and I've definitely felt the effects of yeah it's it's so beautifully put I think the the thing that I pick up on the most is is when we're we're self-compassionate towards ourselves I think with a lot of my clients there's sometimes where we, we're working together and I go and I just have this nice feeling where I go you've come too far now to go all the way back to where you might you once were and I think a lot of the reason behind that you said before, probably their resilience is just shining through, but also they've developed and they've learned the skills to be compassionate towards themselves. And, and that's sort of starting to be way more present and obvious in, in the room with people. And I think you're so right. I think it's something, definitely something we've got to develop. And I love those examples of, of sort of um, supported touch that, that helps, um, guess you know regulate yourself or whatever or bring, bring yourself back down and that shared shared humanity as well i think can you can you talk talk a little bit more to that because i think that's such a beautiful um expression mm. yeah so um based on dr Kristen neff's work around self-compassion she identifies common humanity as one of the aspects of self-compassion that we can all tune into and i guess it's simply around acknowledging that we're not alone 
in our experiences, even just saying that can actually be a really big shift, you know, to acknowledge that when we're suffering or in pain or being challenged, that we aren't alone. And I can say this in all honesty, whatever you're going through, someone else has been through it. <laughs> you know, someone else has also suffered. There's also been, you know, pain um, that another human has experienced. We all experience pain the same way. There's no amazing human being who doesn't know what pain and suffering is. So mm. being able to acknowledge that we have this common humanity that we all share uh, can be really soothing for us and it can be really regulating and it doesn't have to be a big moment. It can just simply be saying that in our minds or even saying it out loud, you know, like I'm not alone in this. I know other people have been through this. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful aspect of self-compassion. Mm. I think especially in, in times where I still at the midst of uh, COVID and not really knowing where, where we all stand, I think, you know, disconnection is, is obviously paramount at the moment. There's, there's so much of the fact that we're not able to have this touch and not able to have the same sort of thing. And, and I guess that, that is easing slowly and we're returning to that, but something as simple as having those moments, which we're going to have in and out of a pandemic, but mm -hmm. we can have to ourselves and to say, you know, I'm not alone in, in this experience that I'm having right now. Others have sort of had that and that, I think it does bring connection whether we are alone or not. Well, it's an important point. Like, you know, when you talk about loneliness, like the thing that loneliness is about, it's not the physical loneliness. It's not feeling as though you can connect with meaning to anyone. And, you know, we could see COVID-19 as really the ultimate connection in some ways or opportunity for connection because we've all just gone through this massive thing together and through our stories and making meaning of it together, we can actually be even more connected, you know, and, and being open to sharing with each other. So there is benefit to be had out of tragedy. You know, it's a bit like trauma. It's like, how do we process this and how do we make meaning of this together moving forward to heal? Yeah. Yeah. So, with the self-compassion, I think that he's obviously, you're right. It's so, it's not like, it's not really linear for, and it's, it's definitely not one size uh, fits all. Do you have, do you have experiences? I mean, that's a stupid question. You definitely have experiences with clients, but did you have, do you have a sort of typical client that goes through this, that comes um, to your room? I know you work with a lot of trauma, but where, where they're at, in their life at them at that time when they're seeing you and, and then I guess where, where you can get them to. Have I experienced that sort of people starting with no train tracks and then. Yeah. Like what's, out? what's that like? Like, is it quite common? Is that the standard journey for a lot of people? Look, I'd say so. I think all of us have an inner critic, regardless of whether we've experienced traumas or, you know, maybe we've had relatively good um, upbringings and we have lots of resilience. Mm. Uh, we all have places, I think, where we do have some negative self-talk, limiting beliefs, or we critique ourselves. And, you know, I can say to you that every person that I've worked with in some way could benefit from self-compassion, you know, or it's something that we start looking at around, well, how do we stop, you know, blaming ourselves? How do we stop um, being so negative? How do we stop self-harm? All of those things um, because 
there are more helpful ways of kind of being in the world and taking care of ourselves, you know. Um, we're never going to stop negative talk completely because it's there for our protection, right? The, that voice that kicks in and goes, should you be doing that? Mm. Um, but we all have that, but we can all also use this resource of self-compassion, I think. So every single person that walks into my room, absolutely, at some point, I think we talk about self-compassion. We talk about how do we take care of our needs? How do we do really good self-care? How do we nurture those little parts of ourselves, you know, and um, take good care, particularly when we're in really heightened emotional states, instead of trying to move away from things, how do we kind of lean into our emotions and give ourselves that compassion? We would absolutely give somebody else, you know, we would mm. never mm. just sort of stand there and go like, meh, whatever, unless we're really kind of disengaged, you know, with our friends, our loved ones, of course we'd be compassionate. And sometimes we just need work turning, instead of putting that energy out, turning it in. And 100% everyone can work on that. Definitely. Definitely. I think the, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that we, I guess we all come into contact with. And I think that there's some that stand out or there's some that you connect with more than, uh, than others. And I think for me, a lot of the time it, it, it is that, um, maybe that, that onus in themselves that they, they know who they are or they know how to, look after themselves and that kind of shines through and, and with their personality or their, their ability to just be. And I think, um, yeah, it is such a skill that people kind of come around to and, and then can forget as well and got to, got to put, put it back into practice. Yeah. Mm. I love, I love talking about this cause I think it's so important, not just for anyone that's struggling. I think it's just such a nice reminder for, for everybody and um it's so beneficial for us to just take one moment to look back on ourselves and you talk a lot about um you know, I, re I read a lot of your things that you share as i love the way you write um but you do you do mention quite a lot about like you said needs before and some boundaries and stuff like that you also talk about um mindfulness and in relation to self-compassion so you know, a lot of people know what mindfulness is now, but if you were to sort of say, how do you foster and use that in a, in its, in a, in its really beneficial way, how, would, how do you describe that to people? I guess um, if we're linking it to self-compassion, mindfulness is that ability to pause and notice what your feelings and emotions are. So rather than moving away from them because like anything what we resist <laughs> kind of persists and comes back mm. if we can be mindful of what's happening but we're not attached to what's happening you know and I think that's the challenge sometimes we get attached into those really strong feelings and then we can kind of spiral into different thinking or into states of feeling really kind of spiral out of control we can use mindfulness just to be aware and i always say to hold it lightly to hold the emotions lightly to be conscious of it and when we can even just name our emotions we know that that gives us even a bit of relief really and i don't want to feel it just by leaning into it shifts and changes it as well so mindfulness is to just notice what it is to acknowledge it but not having to go into it and to attach to it and I think um, that's a skill that you can learn in therapy, right? It's not a skill we all naturally have sometimes because sometimes we really get into our emotions. 
to mm. the point where we can kind of become overwhelmed by them. But mindfulness really is not to be overwhelmed by those emotions, but to be more easily able to manage them, which is what we want to do, right? So when they come up, we're mindful of them, we acknowledge them, and we kind of listen. I always say that emotions are indicators. They indicate to us something needs to be paid attention to. Mm. So if we can be mindful and we can kind of tune in without having to be scared of our emotions, it can actually be really useful information to us about what's the next step that I need to do here instead of feeling like the emotions take us over, yeah. which sometimes we can feel like that happens. It's actually going, okay, you know, I notice what I'm feeling um, in my body because emotions start in the body as well, right? Mm. I notice that my tummy is feeling really like I've got butterflies in it and being mindful and exploring it and being curious about it is actually really helpful for us to get the information and not be afraid of our emotions. And the more, more that we can do that, the more we make friends with our emotions and, you know, they're less overwhelming. We know the next step to take that feels really good for us as well. Yeah. That's so nice. As strong and, and as connected as I feel to you right now, I don't think our internet's having the best time in the world, but I still feel very connected. I am loving everything that you say. Um, but I guess in summary, what I really wanted to know, um, and I think it's really, really important is you use when we're talking about mindfulness, we're talking and in, in, in terms of self-compassion, what I hear you saying, it's not just about being mindful and trying to think compassionately and, you know, happily about the things that are going well and wrong and not, and you know, everything that's jolly in the world. But what I hear is, is it's really important when we use self-compassion and mindfulness is to, allow ourselves to sit with the emotions that are difficult rather than the ones that we're trying to manifest to be positive. Yes, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And I think that's really important and maybe what we don't always do. Hmm. Because there's definitely times when, especially when we're, we're challenging our core beliefs that you were talking about before, you know, we can fake it till we make it and, and replace mm -hmm. those I'm not good enough with I am good enough in the mirror all we want i think it's about you know having a moment for ourselves where we go sometimes i do feel that and and i want to acknowledge that that's where i'm at and i think that's just as compassionate as me trying to you know look at the positives or have gratitude and stuff like that no thank you so much for saying that like because can i just say emotions are valid all of them even the ones we deem negative we cannot nor should we try to get rid of emotions right you know it's just like trying to get rid of happiness we would never say let's get rid of happiness mm. so without certain emotions you know without fear we might jump off that cliff right without anger we wouldn't be able to have a good sense of our boundaries like we actually need all of those emotions um so it's not just about going oh my god i feel angry i need to transform this into happiness it's like i feel angry what's going on you know can i explore that sometimes you know it might just be i do feel a little bit frustrated but other times it might be no someone's really crossed my boundary and i need to address this so mm. the emotions are really valid and we're not just about trying to change them into something better without kind of acknowledging what's there. Mm. So many little gems, Tash. <laughs> this is so, so nice. Um, I feel like I'm practicing self-compassion by talking to you, <laughs> um, which is nice. Um, but we'll, 
yeah, I think, yeah, just, just saying that emotions, they, you know, they come and they go, but some of them, when they come they're they're not the most ideal and they're hard to deal with and difficult, but that we have a choice to sort of sabotage and push it down or be compassionate and kind and, and acknowledge it. And yeah, everything that you said has been so beautiful in that way, which is awesome. Well, um, I'll take it down a little step and wind down. Um, I said, you said at the start that, you know, pulling your strength from within comes down to a lot of um, self care and love hearing that answer. It's a, it's, it's so important, but what in terms of your self care Tash, like which ones are non-negotiable? Probably my go-tos for me is yoga, having a really good yoga practice. So practice for my body um, exercise. I love a little bit of weights at the gym and the non-negotiables I think in addition to that would be having time out. Um, for me, I get a lot of energy in silence and um, just having a bit of space around me. So I work with people all the time. So I really, I guess, honour my space to myself and whether that's, you know, I want to have a day on the weekend where I'm just doing Netflix and chill. I also give myself permission to do Netflix and chill um, or to just, you know, spend half a day in bed and read a book and have that time to myself. So yeah. they're probably my non-negotiables and I get a bit cranky if I don't get those things. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. I love that. Honouring the space to be with yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... That's a new one, which I love. And I, I, I guess I, I try and do that a lot as well, which is so important, I think, especially in the work that you do, to have that time just for you. And if you want to watch Netflix and chill, you do you do that. <laughs> you get that. <laughs> That's right. Treat yourself. Um, yeah. Cool. I know... Um, I know you have you have a little um, side hustle which I also really really like the 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 essential oils that that you work with and um, I guess we'll spend a tiny tiny second about talking about that because I know that would obviously something you would engage with to help regulate and be self compassionate because it puts you in that calm mindset with you know getting that sensory idea of things so let me speak to a tiny bit of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Alchemista is um, my co-founded business um, with my beautiful business partner, Sarah. So we started in 2018, I think we, we kind of started, and in 2019 we launched. So our products are all Australian certified organic. And I guess the Alchemista was born because we really wanted people to have also products that they could use that were really good quality, um, vegan, cruelty-free, organic, but that could support them in really creating more ritual and more time and space for themselves. Clients that you see, I certainly see it, that there's so much busyness or pre-COVID, there was so much busyness, you know, and people are a little bit disconnected from themselves, the rituals that they might want to do to really take that time out to self-care to even tune in you know from that spiritual aspect to have a ritual where you sit with yourself and you can actually find the answers to the things that you might have questions to or to know the next um, step to take for you Mm. so aromatherapy or essential oils are great you know the science behind this i wrote a little um, post is that they um, cross the 
blood brain barrier through the olfactory nerve through a sense of smell mm. and so the research around using things like lavender and orange sweet oil to help with motivation and sense can also reconnect us to memories they can be really powerful um, in that way so um yeah so do use essential oils um i don't make my clients use them but you know i always have some on hand in my practice or for myself you know i pick up lavender a little bottle of peace and just pop some on my neck and use that to kind of connect to that sense of peace and intention because we design the oils to be really intentional and for yeah. people to use them um in their rituals so sorry i probably talked too long about that but no, yeah, no. It's lovely. I, I've been meaning to actually get some because I don't like the one that's in my diffuser. And I would like some that actually have a bit more of a benefit to me when I do use them. So I'm definitely going to hit that up. Um, yeah. Tash, I know it would be very, very hard. I know you love reading and I know you always have a lot, a lot of lists of books on, on your Instagram. What if you had to choose one that you think's been very inspiring for you? Um, and maybe that may be for others. What what would it be if you choose one? Okay, I'll do a non-theory book because I read a lot of um, <laughs> theory books. Yeah, me too. But, um, I think you're going to know which book I chose because you love this book too. Um, but Lost Connections by <laughs> Johan Hari, I think um, it's kind of a relatively new well, newish book and some people may or may not have heard of it, um, but uh, he's a journalist and he explores the connection between our loss of connection to ourselves, relationships, natural world, um, our values and the links around depression. And it's got a great blend of actual, you know, people's stories, but also the scientific research and papers around um, medication for depression and placebo and lots of other amazing stuff in there and I think it's probably one of the books that changed you know my view um I always had that view but it was like wow here's the here's the book about it you know yeah 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 exactly what happened to me with his his other book on uh, the importance of connection um yeah the one that's about addiction I can never remember the name of it um Dream. I, yeah 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 so I think that is the third or fourth time that book's been, been made. It's just like Johan really going to come on the podcast, I think, and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, the podcast. <laughs> um, I, think, I think that guy talks about all the amazing things that we should have been talking about 25 years ago um, yeah. and longer. Um, and, yeah, that's such a great book. I don't own it. I own the other one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually buy it now. I think three mm. times the charm with um, advertising into my brain. So uh-huh. I'm going to jump straight in. Um, final question for you, Tash. Where can people find you at the moment? Now you said you're with Brisbane. And, um, but what, what's going on for you at the moment and, and where can we... Where can we find you? Uh, yeah, so you can find me online. So I have a website, uh, which is natashawagner.com. My name's spelt a bit different, but I'm sure you'll link me into that. Um, I'm also on Facebook at um, Natasha Wagner Psychotherapy and also Natasha underscore Wagner on Instagram. So I'm all over socials. Um, I also am obviously running my group at the moment. Uh, it's actually full, so... Um, I don't have any spaces, but if you want to be on the wait list for 2021, you can reach out through my socials and have a chat with me. Um, there's also information about group process work online there as well, but I'm about uh, out and about online and you can find me there. 
Mm, awesome. And I'll link everything onto my website as well and link down all that stuff and Alchemista as well and put that on there. Um, <clears throat> definitely your Instagram is, is, is a fan. Favorite. I'm a fan favorite. I think I just entered top fan status into your Facebook oh, uh, page, I love home, it. which is fun. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's really cool. And I think, I do think I have a few listeners in Brisbane. So if they're lucky enough to um, connect with you face to face, that would be um, amazing. Very lucky for them. Um, but yeah, it's been an absolute honor to have you on Tash. I'm sure we can um, talk forever and ever about millions of different topics and hopefully um, we can have you on again. Beautiful. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure connecting. Do you want to find out more about how therapy can help you kick some goals? Go check out findreasontherapy.com.au or the Find Reason Therapy Instagram page.